0: It's time for the Fanatics Miami Dolphins podcast on the Fanatics Network. Hello, how you doing This is Chris Chambers former Miami Dolphins wide receiver follow the fin Addicts podcast and check out the fin Addicts network on YouTube.
1: Hello everybody. Welcome to another episode of the fin Addicts Miami Dolphin podcast. I am your host Jason Sarni and I am joined by my brothers of the fin Addicts network minus our fearless
2: leader. We'll get back to that. But welcome Drew and Savak. How you guys doing starting with Drew. I am doing okay. I'd probably be doing better if I was having the sausage and biscuits and gravy that I got downstairs. But for right now, I'm doing all right. We we do what we got to do. We play hungry sometimes. It's Saturday morning when we
1: are recording. We have Savak Melton in the house as well. Are you nourished with a good breakfast or like Drew on an empty stomach right now?
3: Uh, empty stomach, minus my fancy French press coffee, but otherwise sunny in the sunshine state. I'm not normally up this early, guys. You know that.
1: <laughs> well, you are taking one for the team, Drew. You're fasting for the team, and my curry coffee machine is not working, so if I'm off today, it's because I'm lack of caffeine. But I'm doing a little bit better than our buddy, Brian Byrne. Our shout out to our guy, Brian, he's dealing with some kidney stones. So we really hope that uh, he comes off the injury report and we wish him well. I'm sure he'll be yelling and hopefully passing the stone, much like Ryan Fitzpatrick will be passing the ball all over the Seattle Seahawks tomorrow. So let's get into it, everybody. It is time to talk about week four. And coming off of last Thursday night in Jacksonville, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick was stellar. The defense showed up. Miles Gaskin seems to be RB1. That's at least how I'm spelling his name to my children, RB1. And Drew, looking at that matchup from a couple of days back seems like it was a month ago but how encouraged are you with this rebuild process at the moment where we are right now
2: I'm actually pretty thrilled with it Uh, they they stayed competitive the first two games but they were facing coaches that knew them well and you had a new offense you were trying to install you go from that new offense to what we currently see now and now you're starting to see the wrinkles you started seeing them week three some change. They put enough on tape the first two weeks and now they can start adding a little bit to the playbook Add a wrinkle here add a wrinkle there. The question was asked if a certain young QB might come in for a series or two this upcoming week. So we might have a sighting of Tua. Uh, We'll talk about the injury report later that makes it a little less likely, but I think a lot of fans would be really happy to see Tua toss a couple of balls around this upcoming week. What do you think, Sabak?
3: I'm thinking I'm very encouraged by what I've been seeing. I did get the opportunity to catch that Thursday night game in person. Got to say they looked even better live than they did on television. But I love that you alluded to it, Jason. I'm, I'm very encouraged by what I'm seeing out of this group of running backs. I do think it's kind of funny, you know. Nobody called this coming into the season. Everybody was predicting, oh, it's going to be Jordan Howard. It's going to be Matt Breida. Omar Kelly is the only one that said it. Miles Gaskin is the only one that's shown anything. And so far, he is definitely leading that room. We were dealing with a group of turkeys out there. We were waiting for one to turn into a chicken, you know, running around the barnyard, can't catch it. And so far, so good. That's exactly what we wanted to be, what we wanted to see out of them. And of course, wouldn't be possible without this offensive line and their stellar play. You gotta love what you're seeing out of these rookies. That is what we've been waiting for the better half of the last two decades for. It's about time we start seeing that progress. Uh, so, tell me then, um, what were you, what were you, what have been your takeaways from it, Jason?
1: You guys both said it well. I'm encouraged. I'm very happy with the progress. You have to love the offensive line production, especially with those young kids. You know, Solomon Kinley is looking like he is the golden boy of this draft, not named Tua. But then you got a guy, in Austin Jackson, saying, I'm the first rounder and I'm balling out too. So that that's a really fun little competition of what first round I'm sorry, what rookie offensive lineman currently starting. And then you have Robert Hunt, too, who's going to probably get into the mix at one time. So I love the offensive line. I like the way that this offense is becoming a little bit more creative. And, you know, this Miles Gaskin thing is, is terrific because he could be a guy who could do everything that we wanted the new running backs to do in Matt Breida and Jordan Howard. But you know what? Let Jordan Howard take the goal line. Let Breida spell and be that kind of pass-catching guy, that X-factor out of the backfield. And if Gaskin can get 22 to 27 touches a game, I think that's a formula for success. But now segueing to the other side of the ball. Look, the Seahawks are coming in with probably an MVP front runner. The only bad thing that he's put on film was that awful Mr. Unlimited situation that russell wilson decided to just put on social media but other than that he's been lights out and he's been having a record-setting start to the season he's got 14 15 touchdowns whatever it is and uh it just seems that he can't do anything wrong simply puts a the dolphins defense have any shot at stopping or at least let's use a better word containing wilson
3: I do like that and I think that the latter is probably the key. That's your operative term right there containing Russell Wilson if they can keep him in the pocket, keep him working hard and having to beat this secondary with his arm, then yes, they do stand a chance because that where he's been the most effective is making things happen on the fly when plays break down and unfortunately That was where we were struggling on defense for the first couple of weeks of the season. We just couldn't get any pressure on the quarterback. But then on this past Thursday night, we saw what happens when we are able to do that. Because Gardner Minshew came into that game riding what, like a completion percentage of somewhere in the 70s, and we were able to get to him. And look what happens when you do. Everything else starts working, starts falling into place. So that's going to be the key. Now, are we going to be able to stop him? Uh, there's a slim chance of that but (laughs) we can at least stay on him and keep him honest and that will at least keep us in the game and give us a shot at winning
1: but what are your thoughts on it Uh, drew talk to me about those wide receivers because obviously you know they're key in the success of Russell Wilson, but it's a spoil of riches. He's got two of probably the top ten wide receivers in the league in Lockett and Metcalf. So what are your thoughts about both of them? What do you do?
2: Uh, Lockett's been doing it for a while, and Metcalf came on, on strong. Now, Metcalf, there are certain things he does well and certain things he doesn't. I mean, that's just who he is. But what he does well, he does really well going down the field. I mean, plus he's huge. We all saw the, uh, during the draft, you know, he walked in with his shirt off. So Pete Carroll took his shirt off, and they shook hands. And that was a uh, brotherly love ma- match made in heaven from there on in. So I think that may have been one of the reasons Pete Carroll went with him is so he got to see himself with his shirt off a little more. But I think overall, trying to stop those two, and then you've got Russell Wilson, and Russell Wilson is dangerous. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Russell Wilson is Peyton Manning if Peyton Manning was mobile. I mean, there. he's just, you're not going to stop him. You, nobody does, but you can contain him. Get The The key to me is getting the score up. That is how you beat Russell Wilson. You're not going to beat Russell Wilson with a great defense. But if you can keep him off the field, you have a chance to win the game. And that's really going to be one of the keys is keeping Russell Wilson off the field. But it's going to be a shootout. There's no way to stop it. I mean, you have to try to contain him. You can't really go in for sacks. You go going for sacks. He breaks away. He's all over the field. You see defenses running around trying to, to go back to Savox uh, Comet. You know, they're doing like Rocky, and they're trying to chase a chicken around and grab it, and they just can't get the chicken. So it should be interesting to watch. But And plus, they you don't really – because they don't see Russell Wilson a whole lot, they don't have a whole lot of experience with how to deal with it. It's just like when you walk in and teams hit uh, Lamar Jackson – gets played for the first time you're not used to that speed and the way he runs but with russell you can he can still throw the ball all over the field at the same time so that's where i'd leave that
0: it's going
1: to be a tough matchup probably you know i'd like to say since brian flores took over you can't really look at the baltimore game from last week because it was the dilapidated team week one but this is the toughest test that this you know Actual Brian Flores led unit from let's go score it week seven or eight from last year when they started kind of gelling when they started looking like a team. This is the toughest game that they're going to have uh, in facing an opposing quarterback, in my opinion, and basically training until they get Patrick Mahomes later in the season. But Get a little bit of a bright side, and this is another shout out to our guy Brian. You know, he threw a nice little uh, Adam Schefter tweet reference out there that, uh, you know, the Seattle Seahawks are currently a very, very, very bad defense against the past. And through three games, they are allowing a league worst 430 yards per game, and that's 80 yards worse than the 31st ranked Atlanta Falcons. So that's epically bad. So, Savak, what do you think that the Dolphins can do to exploit that situation?
3: That is surreal. I mean, it's just, I got to take a moment, to take that in because it's like we're living in bizarro world. I don't think in the, the time that Pete Carroll has been the head coach of Seattle, that he's ever fielded a defensive unit. That's been that bad. So is wow. But I think that we can capitalize on this. As long as we play mistake-free football, this is all about, Ryan Fitzpatrick. We love Fitz magic when he's magic, but we got to be careful because if he comes out and starts turning the ball over, you put the ball in Russell Wilson's hands. That's how we lose this game. So that's really what it's going to come down to. We just got to, we have to play clean football. We cannot give them the opportunity to get the ball back and score on us. But Drew, what are your thoughts on it? What are we looking at?
2: Well, well, I think there's a couple of things to look at here. Number one, who have they really played? They've played the Falcons. They played the Cowboys and they played the Patriots. So you're not looking with the Falcons. Yeah. You're looking at a high flying offense. Uh, Dak Prescott is, you know, gets knocked, but he can throw it around a little bit too, but you're not playing Pat Mahomes. So the fact that they've got this many yards given up is, pretty concerning when you got russell wilson on the other side trying to run around and throw to catch up which is part of the reason why he's probably throwing as much as he has to because they're they're playing from so far behind but they've gone from the legion of boom to the legion of whom who is going to step up and do something because right now they don't have anybody that's that's about all i can say about that i got a little bit more to say about it but i want to wait till after we talk about the injury report.
1: Oh, do I love that legion of whom? I'm a sucker for a pun. And that was, that was gorgeous, Drew. So, uh, you know, it's a perfect time obviously right now to take a little bit of a break, get to segue and pay some bills to our proud sponsor, Manscaped. And we will be right back.
0: Right at this moment, there are men everywhere doing manly things. Beards unkempt, hair run amok. Leaving them in a state of hair despair. And that's just what we can see. Never mind what's going on downstairs. But it doesn't have to be that way. Thanks to our friends at Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com and enter our promo code FINZUP to save an instant 20%, get free shipping, and help quell the hair despair in your life. These bearded bros are counting on you. Won't you help them?
1: you gotta love toby mcguire dancing to the tunes of manscaped so uh <laughs> let's get right back into it zavak i know that you are looking at a long injury report uh mainly everybody who lives in uh, seattle is on it and uh, if you want to give us a little bit of an insight of some of those key names you don't have to run down you know the census of seattle but you can just tell us those key injuries for the seahawks and then we'll talk about the dolphins
3: It is pretty wild because it does appear that everybody within the tri-county area up there is on this list, but of course, we will just touch on the ones that are particularly interesting. Jamal Adams did not participate in practice, so he is out. Quentin Dunbar is out. Uh, And then there's a number of guys that are questionable. I mean, this team is banged up, man.
1: You got running backs who are hurt. So you don't know if your lead guy and Chris Carson is going to be, you know, the workhorse or bell cow back and you have Carlos Hyde who is also, you know, dinged up as well. So if this is a situation where it's going to lead Russell Wilson to have to throw 50 times, it's not necessarily a good thing, but it is going to be a shootout. Now, Drew, looking at the Dolphins injury report, uh, the good news is you have free agent safety Clayton Benjamin who look like he is going to make his Dolphins debut. And, of course, if you need anybody to get added to a unit, it is a safety, especially against Russell Wilson and also a special teams player if they decide to utilize him on that unit as well. Uh, and, of course, we'd be remiss to not talk about Byron Jones, a quarterback, cornerback lockdown specialist extraordinaire who in all likelihood, Drew will miss this game. He, he, he's kind of a 50, 50, if you can even call it a best right now. What are your thoughts overall on, on Jones and how, you know, a replacement potentially needs to slide on into the role?
2: Well, uh, first, let me go back and discuss the secondary of the Seattle Seahawks because it's important to note that that's why I said I wanted to wait till after the injury report that they've got two guys down. So you're looking at, they lost their starting safety. You you lost a cornerback and they were already not playing well. So these were the best guys to put on the field and they were not playing that well. So you got that to look at. Dolphins on the other hand are playing the way they were playing and are getting players back. So that in itself makes a very competitive advantage when you're looking at going from the Dolphins roster to Seattle, which has 20, I think it was 25, like almost half their roster is on the injury report right now. That is insane. The Dolphins are coming off of 10 days of rest. Seattle has to fly from one side of the country to the next into the Miami Heat. There are so many advantages that I will be – if the Dolphins don't at least make this competitive, I would be very disappointed this year – or this week.
1: You're absolutely right. You mentioned so many of these X factors. We'll get into our player X factor in a couple of minutes. But Savak, you know, just to piggyback off of what Drew was saying, you know, you have a banged-up poor unit in the secondary of Seattle, and you have big, fast Weapons for the Dolphins. You you obviously have the the people to utilize the personnel to exploit this. Who do you see be the guy on Sunday for Ryan Fitzpatrick, hopefully to, you know, lead the charge here?
3: Now, this is going to be interesting, of course. We'd love to see. Now, Mike Gesicki kind of had an easier day on Thursday. Probably like to see him get a little bit more involved in this game. But the guy that I'm really focusing on, which is going to be – kind of unique is Miles Gaskin, you know, running back. But have you guys noticed, or if you look at the numbers, are you guys aware that this man has caught 93% of the passes that have thrown, been thrown his way? That is incredible. So I'd love to see him continue to get worked into the passing game a little bit. I think it'll take a little bit of the load off of Ryan Fitzpatrick being able to dump it off to him. And I'd love to see him find the end zone, whether that be on the ground or through the air. So that's, that's – yeah, go ahead.
1: No, I, love, I was going to say, I love that prediction. And we had a little pre-show conversation where, you know, it's, it's the fourth week of a season where Miles Gaskin has pretty much had three good games and he's the de facto number one. Get this man in the end zone. It should be a situation where if they're within the seven or eight or even ten yards of the end zone, you have to be an offensive coordinator to reward this kid and give him that kind of pump-up. So can I make a prediction, Savak? Can I make a play prediction of what I want to see? If it's, like, second and goal on, like, three or the four, if you bring Jordan Howard in, everyone knows you're going to run it up the middle. Why don't we put a little bit of, like, a a shotgun with maybe two backs or one back next to Fitzpatrick, have Gaskin there, so you don't know what's going to happen, and then a little bit of a halfback draw, a couple yards, untouched, through the A-gap, nice touchdown for Miles Gaskin. But wishful thinking aside, something that really is nightmarish thinking is who is going to replace Byron Jones. I don't want to leave that, Drew. I want to get your opinion on whether it's Noah A. Benogany, whether it's Nick Needham, whether it's Jamal Perry, whether it's Tay Hines, who is going to step up? Because if the Dolphins win this game, there is going to be a cornerback who is going to be able to say they stepped up and made a big play. Who is it going to be?
2: I mean, if history shows us anything, it's going to be Mahogany. But if history shows us anything, Flores is going to do what Flores thinks is best for that particular game, and the game plan is going to change. So the Seahawks are probably thinking the same thing. They're having to look at both those options. Are they going to swap it up, or are they just going to stick with Bahogany and go straight uh, man coverage? I, I really respect the, the fact, too, that the Dolphins don't care whose name is hard to pronounce when they draft uh because they they seem to pick a lot of them this year uh but overall i think that's really going to be the key is we're assuming byron jones isn't going to play it's really hard to t- with all the groin injuries and there was a ton of groin injuries this this uh last season use manscape avoid it uh but with that <laughs> sorry no hey brilliant brilliant but, uh, drop we appreciate it I, unless started laughing and it got me laughing uh but uh With all it's very unpredictable, that kind of an injury, so it's just hard to tell which way it's going to go down. Uh, but I'd leave it at that. Is I mean, for all we know, is Byron Jones could very well be the starter, we don't know, and that's what Seattle's probably looking at that saying the same thing. They got to prepare for Igg Mahogany, they got to prepare for Byron Jones, they got to prepare maybe Needham comes in, and they're probably going to rotate. It's the hot Florida sun. Guys can get breathers. We're only in a week four with no no real preseason games. So things are just – we're just now starting to see what this team really is.
1: Very good point on the rotation. You know, there is a lot of rest for the Dolphins. So, you know what, keeping them fresh in rotation while a injured Seattle defense and offense can't really, you know – assimilate to that weather. That would be a good idea. Now, Savak, do you see a specific corner or even maybe a Bobby McCain in the secondary, in the middle of the secondary as a safety stepping up, making some big plays? What are your thoughts there?
3: I would love to see it because I've been concerned. I know this has been a, a position of concern for us for a while now, specifically to start the season. I, we just, we had a big gaping hole up there in the safety. It's like you bought a brand new convertible soft top and somebody cut a huge hole in the canvas, you know? So can we figure out some way to patch that up? Can we throw a a trash bag over that or something to keep Mr. Unlimited from making it rain all over our beautiful interior? Is it possible? That's what I'm looking at.
1: You do Mr. Unlimited better than Mr. Unlimited himself. At least I bought your voice. You know, Russell, I'm like, dude, come on, man. Stick the throw up a football, But not tomorrow. <laughs> not tomorrow, you know. But, uh, you know, of course, the Byron Jones thing, we'll leave that. But you mentioned the word unpredictable, Drew. And groin injuries, And, and, and as a loyal Manscaped user myself, my groin's a tip-top. And, but if yours aren't, if Byron's isn't, we have an idea of what might be the uh, – you know, the conundrum and why he's 50-50, but uh, this is a rumor, pure speculation. Thanks for the
0: bomb. Yeah. You put the bomb on? Who told you to put the bomb on? I didn't tell you to put the bomb on. Why'd you put the bomb on? If you're gonna put a bomb on, let a doctor put a bomb on. Where the hell did you get that damn bomb anyway? So a maestro tells you to put a bomb on and you do it? I didn't know the bomb was gonna work. Do you know what a bomb is? You ever seen a bomb? Didn't you read the instructions? Well, I was... No one can tell what a bomb's gonna do. They're unpredictable.
1: They are. Data, I had a horrible bomb story a couple of years ago, but that's neither here nor there, Drew. What I'd rather talk about is X factors. Maybe if you get, uh, you know, a couple of weeks in, I'll tell you the bomb story. Savak, so, you look like you're interested, but uh, okay. we'll move past that and we'll go to the X factors. I have one on offense, but Drew, who is your X factor? Whether it be offense, defense, any area of the field.
2: I would say the X factor is the run game. Can they stick to the run game? Because the Seahawks have given up a ton in the air. Uh, they've been rather stingy on the ground, but I think it's Florida. It's hot. You have to run the ball, stick to the run. That's the team you built. Do what you did against the Jaguars. Stick with it. Run with it. If it's a close game, keep doing what works and tire them out. And we may not see a whole lot from it week one, my, and that's, or the first half. And that's kind of what scares me is they don't see something the first half. They give up on the run and get one-dimensional again, which is something that I don't know if – I think it's more of a Fitzpatrick trait than a Gailey trait, and Gailey really needs to run, kind of rein that back in. Keep them honest. Run the ball. Eventually, it will pay off. It may not pay off. You might only get a couple of yards, but it keeps them honest. And for the love of God, do not run play action if you're not running the ball. Just don't do it. I've been watching it for ten a freaking decade. Don't run play action without running the ball consistently. It's pointless. It's like bluffing
1: a pot of hand. It's like bluffing a a big poker pot when you never win a hand. Like people know you're not holding anything. So why (laughs) bite on it? It's pretty academic. But Savak, what's your X factor?
3: Uh, I think I kind of alluded to them already, but I've got two. It's going to be, well, actually three. It's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick and Miles Gaskin. I think those are going to be the two keys to pay attention to in this game for us. And of course, playing mistake free football. If this does turn into a shootout, we cannot get to t- turning the ball over. We need to keep it on our side. We need to control the, the game flow, the time of possession. We have to win that battle. That's my X factor.
1: I love it. I'm going to give you guys two, one on offense, one on defense. Um, Jakeem Grant. We saw a couple of little sparks last week and, uh, you know, definitely another shout out to Brian who said we need to see something from Jakeem Grant. We saw two nice chunk plays. We saw a 29 yard kind of wide receiver reverse on a nice little toss. And then we saw a beautifully timed pass from Fitz to Grant where it it almost looked like that ball was just going to drop. And then Jakeem broke his route, dove, made a nice catch. And it just looked great. Give him more touches, but he, He's also a guy who could turn uh, a flipped field position punt, you know, into a four, a four, you know, play drive for a touchdown. He could take a kicking return touchdown at the drop of a hat. So I think Jaukim Grant needs to do something big for this team, whether they're down or up. You know, this is going to be a massive, massive game for Jaukim Grant to make his mark on defense. I'm not going to give you a name. I'm going to give you the guy who's going to stop. Now here's the name. Tyler Lockett, put a man on Tyler Lockett, neutralize him. You're not going to be able to stop DK Metcalf. If it's third and long and they throw a 40-yard bomb, he's going to catch it. Succeed to that. Stop Tyler Lockett. If it's Noah Igbenogamy shadowing him, if it's Needham, if you take away that ability, that safety blanket that Russell Wilson has in Lockett, I think that could be a huge move. If he's getting three touchdowns, they're going to lose the game. And that's what happened last week. So that's what I got.
2: Now we're going to go to game predictions. Drew, what is your actual score? I'm going to hold you to it. All right. I'm going to go with a low scoring, 42 to 35, and the surprise pick is a pick six from Wilson at the end of the game.
1: Wow. That's a a lovely call. Imagine the 13,000 fans screaming their heads off watching a pick six from Wilson to solidify that win. So, What do you think, Savak?
3: I like that bold branch that Drew's going out on. So I guess I'll also be low scoring. I'm thinking it will end 31-28 Miami's way. And I believe Miles Gaskin finds the end zone for the first time this season. Now, we don't know if that's through the air or on the ground, but I believe he's going to punch it in the paint. That's what I want to see.
1: So here's what I'm going to do, guys. I'm going to take one for the team because we've seen recently – a lot of offers with, with experts. You know, everyone picked Jacksonville to win. They were wrong. Everyone picked the Ravens to beat the Chiefs. They were wrong. So I'm going to guarantee victory in one way, shape, or form for the Fanatics Network. I'm actually going to go away from what you guys said, unfortunately. I'm going to say that it's going to be a 38 to 30 visitor victory. I know, I know I have to hand over my Dolphin membership card, but I hope and pray I am wrong. I think it's going to be a situation where people are going to be very upset in the second or the third, that they're down by two possession, maybe three, and then the magic might start in the fourth, and then it might be a a 17-point deficit that turns into a 10, that turns into a three or something, but I think it will end up being a heartbreaker, Pepto Bismol kind of game, but they will be competitive and it will end up a one score game, even if it is by way of losing by a touchdown and a two point conversion. 38 mm-hmm. to 30. I hope it's the other way around.
2: You're dead Agreed.
1: to me. <laughs> 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 oh, man, if there's anybody that I don't want to disappoint in this world. It is my guy, Drew. Mm -hmm. But on that note, I'm going to now let Savak do what he is fantastic at, and that's wrap up the show with where you can find us, and I'm going to cry myself back into Drew's heart when we get off the air.
3: (laughs) So everybody, make sure you subscribe to the Fin Addicts Miami Dolphins podcast, available where all podcasts are available. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, you'll probably find us on there. We do what we do for all of you, so get on there and leave us a nice review. And of course, follow us on YouTube, the Fin Addicts Network or youtube.com forward slash Fin Addicts Network. Follow us on Twitter at fin underscore addicts. And hold on, let me hand this one off to Jason to tell you all about the All In For Literacy Poker Tournament. Break it down for us real quick, Jason. What's it all about? Oh,
1: thank you. This is, number one, this is my, uh, for the last four or five months, this is my number one night of the month. Uh, You know, the Jason Taylor Foundation ran by, of course, JT himself and Seth Levitt of the Fish Tank, you know, they do a terrific job, the foundation, in helping raise money for the children and their education, and they do so much fantastic work, and this is an enjoyable event. You get a chance to play poker with with Jason Taylor, OJ McDuffie, Seth himself, Uh, I've played in rooms with Terry Kirby. Sean Wooden and then of course you know you have Joy Taylor you have Dan Levitard who has not been in a Zoom session yet but he's knocked me out of volume one of the tournament and another person that I used to watch on ESPN I'm not going to name names he knocked me out of the last one someone that Tony Reale used to mute on Around the Horns so, of uh, knocked me out I had top two pair and he knocked me out. Ooh. But anyway, it's a fantastic opportunity. The Finn Addicts is going to give you guys an opportunity to get in and we'll give you more details in the uh, next couple of weeks. But honestly, it's one of the best things you can do to have a good time, raise money for a great cause, and uh, get eliminated in poker by a Hall of Famer. That happened to me too. <laughs> what can I tell you? I'm not that good of a poker player, everybody. But uh, Drew, any last words before we say Fin's up to everybody?
2: Uh, yeah, I'd just like to say that literacy does matter. And uh, it's kind of ironic that in the show notes, we acci- accidentally misspelled literacy. So we've probably got to work on that. But uh, it is really important to, to, uh, to, to point out how important that is. And the poker is for a really good cause. So everybody, I'm just going to say, I'm really looking forward to this game. I'm, I'm looking forward to a W. Jason, I'm, you're still dead to me. But I'm, everybody have a good week.
1: Well, I can tell you, if I get any bit of saving grace, I did not write the show notes. So uh, at least that I am in your good graces, Drew. But Savak, I thank you, Drew. We'll talk. And for everybody else out there, have a good weekend. We'll see you next time.
0: This episode brought to you in part by Thrive Fantasy, available in the App Store or Play Store, or by visiting their website, thrivefantasy.com. Use the promo code FINADIX when you sign up today, and you will receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Sign up and hashtag PropUp today.